Ladies and, well, ladies, we're talking business. Ladies' business. No, not that ladies' business. Ladies in business. Especially tradie business. Whether you're a CEO, self-employed, working for someone or supporting someone else in theirs, this is a podcast about ladies in tradie businesses. Join your host, Nick Cox, one half of Tradies in Business and the Tradiepreneur Program, as she interviews inspirational, everyday, motivational and extraordinary women from all industries and walks of life about what it takes to be a truly successful, modern lady in business. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the Ladies in Business podcast. It's a, oh, it's a funny day here today in Brisbane. It's a bit sort of showery and weird and strange and it's leading me into this strange time of year that's cool and cold and not very Brisbane-like at all. And it's probably the most important time where I really value my home and the time and the effort and energy I have put into, I guess, creatively designing the interior of my home so that I can feel warm and snuggly and protected at this strange time of year. And that's very indicative of who we're talking to today. Today, I'm going to be talking with a fellow Almond Flat White drinker, yay for the Almond Flat Whites, Donna Guyler, who is a full service interior designer and the chief problem solver at Donna Guyler Design. She's also a mum to a 12-year-old son. Welcome, Donna. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you for having me. I am a massive lover of interiors. It was a big part of my career before I started on my venture with Tradies in Business and Ladies in Business. I could talk about this to the cows come home. I'm very excited to be talking to an interior designer today. Can you tell us a little bit, Donna, about, I guess, your journey so far, how you came to be where you are right now in your own business? Uh, yes, yes. Um, first of all, I love that you could talk about this all day. I mean, how much, you know, how much time do we have? Because <laughs> we can get carried away here. <laughs> I love it. Um, so I, I, yeah, so I am uh, the uh, Sorry, Nicole. It's okay. <laughs> so I am the founder and creative director of a boutique interior design studio. We're based on, on the Gold Coast. We are mm-hmm. a full-service interior design studio. Mm-hmm. I haven't always been an interior designer. Uh, I worked uh, on the corporate circuit for, for many years, around, oh gosh, around 15 years before I decided mm-hmm. to have a, a complete switch in, into interior design. I... You know, I, I had a great job in the, uh, when I was in the, working in the corporate world. I did have a great job and some great opportunities. You know, I travelled a bit for work and I worked with, with some really great people. I worked with lawyers and, and engineers. But there was something, you know, just deeply unfulfilling, I guess, down at my core. And I guess that was, you know, that I had a creative calling. So, um, you know, it took me a while. But, you know, in, in my mid-30s, I decided to, to act on that. So um, I, yeah, I, I decided to study. I got my qualification. Uh, just in my last year, um, I was offered some work experience with, with a, a cabinet maker, a local cabinet making factory. Uh, I worked there for a bit. They offered me a job. Uh, I lapped that up. It was really great experience to help me to hone my my drawing skills and to learn how things were made and the production side of interior design, specifically in cabinetry and joinery design. And, you know, it's funny that I, that, you know, I sort of kick-started my career there because fast forward to where I am now, it's very much a specialist skill that we offer here mm-hmm. in, in the design studio. So it, it's funny, isn't it, to look 
to look mm. back, you know, that we say everything unfolds as it should and, and it certainly did. But, you know, between there and in here, I, I left that cabinet making factory. I worked, contracted to some other uh, interior designers. I've, I've done some property styling. I've done some interior decorating. I felt that that wasn't really my jam either. So I landed back with another cabinet maker. And that was the last job I had before I launched my studio. So I was the lead interior designer there. And uh, the, the factory, it was quite a large factory. Uh, they had a residential division and a commercial division. They decided to close out their commercial division. So I essentially would have lost, lost my job. Yeah. Uh, but I resigned. And, um, you know, next thing I know, I, I had a business. So I, I did have some, some clients that I was working with, obviously, at the cabinet making factory, you know, I was designing their, their kitchens and their, their bathrooms. And um, so I just I contacted them to let them know that that I was leaving. And they said, look, you know, wh where are you going? Um, you know, we want to continue to, to work with you. So, yeah, I just really had to sort of facilitate that. And yeah, that uh, that you know forced me into setting up the framework to create my own business, which is really how I roll. I'm definitely risk adverse. I don't dive into anything. I need to be nudged mm -hmm. and pushed and coerced yep. um, and deliberate and overanalyze. Um, but yeah, so seven years ago, I, I launched my studio from the third bedroom of my home. Wow! It was just me uh, and my laptop and my student Archicad license wow. and. Um, doing all the things myself and so yeah we have we have grown substantially over time at, at a steady pace at a comfortable mm -hmm. pace for me mm -hmm. so we're now a team of six there's six of us now we've recently mm -hmm. just moved into our new studio on the gold coast mm -hmm. uh because we obviously needed needed uh, a bigger space uh so we're, we're fully set up here and uh yeah we operate here out of the studio on the gold coast but we do work with clients all over the country that's a fascinating I guess career changed, Donna. It's it's that's brave. Even though you say that you like to take your time making decisions, and I'm sure you did at the time, that's a really big, brave career change to make, and could be super intimidating, challenging, hard to be supported through. That's that's really tough. Can you tell us a little bit about, I guess, that time where you made that change, the thought process, what went into making the change? Was everybody in your life supportive or did you have some people that were also fearful perhaps of what the change might mean for them or the family life, et cetera? Uh, I had significant support around mm -hmm. it. I think everybody around me in my life that matters to me could see probably for a long time that I needed to, to make a change. So when I decided to, to make that change, yes, I had an incredible support network. The only fear was coming from me, mm. 100%. <laughs> and, and, you know, that still pops up, let's, let's be honest. Yes. Um, but, yeah, so I had a great support network, including uh, I was actually working for an engineering firm at the time, and uh, I... Um, I spoke to them about, I was full-time, um, mm -hmm. but then I enrolled in, in uni full-time. Mm -hmm. So they were even supportive of me, um, you know, and sort of working my hours around lectures. So I was actually, uh, I was working in, in Brisbane and I started studying at, at QUT. So I was able to, to um, yeah, work, work uh, my lectures in around my hours. So, yeah, they were incredibly supportive of me. Uh, I then fell, fell pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, 
as I was studying and that threw a real spanner in the works. Um, I was incredibly ill during my pregnancy. That's another story for another time. So (laughs) I actually had to defer because I, I was, I was that ill anyway. It it was, it was an incredibly challenging time. So I was having this huge pivot in my career uh, professionally. And then of course, you know, baby on the way, (laughs) just pile it all on. Um, but, you know, I knew, I knew it was the right, the right thing for me. So, yeah, look, I, I, I pushed through, um, you know, I, I had, had my son and then I went back to study. We'd moved from Brisbane to the Gold Coast in the meantime. Uh, and eventually I, I finished. I finished my studies. So, uh, yes, it, it was incredibly challenging, um, as it is for all mums. You know, mm-hmm. in business and, and studying, you know, juggling motherhood and, you know, just being a, being a wife and, and, and just, you know, life challenges in, in general. But I just knew after such a long time, you know, as much as there was road, road humps in the way, I just knew it was the right path for me. So, yeah, so I pushed through and I'm just so, so grateful that, that I did. And, and it makes it so much more rewarding when you get to the other side, right, when it's been a Absolutely. challenging road. Yeah. yeah. I think at the heart of every good business is passion and it can be really challenging not to lose that passion along the way because business, as I'm sure we'll delve into, can be really difficult. It's, it's not easy. It comes with a lot of fear and pushing through perhaps some boundaries and pushing through fear that gets in the way and prevents us from doing what we need to do. And if we can manage to keep that passion in place, that's not quite so challenging, that hard stuff, because we're keeping that passion at front of mind. And yet, unfortunately, we see many business owners where that falls away. How have you kept that passion, I guess, important to you at the top of mind so that some of the challenges are just that little bit easier to face? Yeah, it's a great question because you're absolutely right. It is, you know, incredibly challenging some days more than others. For me, it comes down to mindset. Mm. Uh, yeah, which, you know, it, it is challenging in itself. So I, I can comfortably say I have a great mindset now. I haven't always been here. Certainly when I started, you know, I, I was running a bit, who knows how to run a business, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you you know, you can go to uni, you can go to TAFE, you can learn the skills, the tools of of the trade. You can have the drive and the dedication and the passion and those things that that you mentioned. But running a business is is the real deal. So Mm -hmm. you you don't really, you're not taught those those skills. It doesn't matter where, you know, what what, um, area you decide to, to study in. You really have to find your way. And there are loads of setbacks and loads of challenges, but I guess simultaneously loads of highs and wins. And I think it's just, you know, knowing at your core, I guess, the reason why you're, yes. you're doing what you're doing, mm-hmm. understanding, you know, what, what your your zone of genius is and what mm-hmm. your gift is and understanding that, the you know, the world needs that. Mm-hmm. So despite how challenging things are, you know, you, you just, you're always going to get to the other side. And, you know, in real terms, we've had quite a challenging week in, in the studio. Um, we've had a few things that have, that have come up for us this week in terms of our projects and also for us as, as a team. But, you know, it's not the first time we faced challenges. And I know because you develop momentum through business, right, that eventually we will get to the other side yes. and, you know, we will be tighter as a team or we will learn from whatever has happened on that project that we need to be perhaps more diligent with, 
you know, perhaps our drawings or we need to be more clear with our communication or we need to change the way we communicate with this particular trade. And I think it's just knowing that there's always a solution and, and, and you're always going to get to the other side. It, mm. it's, it gets foggy some days when, you, you know, when it's really, really stressful, for sure. But yeah, just, you know, knowing what drives you, having faith, I guess, um, in, in the way things are unfolding and knowing that, you know, you're going to be A-OK and there's, there's going to be positive that you can take from every situation. Absolutely. You highlighted really nicely there um, communication, how important it is, whether it's through the design principles and how we communicate through our drawings, whether it's through the communication we have with, in your case, the trades or the clients that you're working with. Communication is at the heart of all businesses, whether we want to admit it or not. And it can be one of the most challenging parts of what we do. Given that you, I think that your your trade, as you referenced, thinks in a particular frame. I imagine it could be challenging at times. Challenging seems to be the word of the episode. Sorry, we'll change that up. <laughs> I imagine that it could be uh, difficult at times to find ways to communicate with the various different clients. And I think that's something we all have in common in business is fine-tuning our communication or perhaps it's more than that perhaps it's actually listening and learning and understanding our clients so that we can communicate in a way they understand to drive a better outcome or result is that something you were always aware of Donna or something a muscle that just built up over time Um, how did you find that for you and your business Mm, yes it's a really great point and it's something that I feel quite passionate about in the studio because you're right. For us and what, and what we do, communication is incredibly important at, at various levels, at all different levels. And, you know, for us as an interior design team, we are communicating with clients, mm-hmm. as, as you say, with, with our suppliers, with our contractors and with on-site trades. And, you know, I guess all of those relationships vary I guess in terms of um, what we bring to them what they bring to us you know and and the contribution and and so I did learn very early on that you know you you have to adapt so Mm. I I think one thing I did notice was coming from a corporate career yes over to the job site you know I, I had established a set of communication skills coming from from the corporate sector which is you know, in short, very direct, mm. uh, you know, I, I probably had more boundaries then than mm. I have now. I also wasn't working for myself then. <laughs> I was beating <laughs> someone else's drum. So it's so easy to, to enforce, you know, boundaries then. It's much harder when you're working for yourself, obviously. Um, but I learned very quickly that trades, for example, do not respond to that. So I had to soften my approach. Mm-hmm. But then I softened it too much you know perhaps to the point where I was allowing my myself to be taken advantage of that didn't work either so I had to find a a middle ground you know really to to learn how to communicate and and work with trades so Mm -hmm. that we both get a a really great outcome Mm -hmm. and that's very different to how we communicate with with our clients and Mm -hmm. and with our suppliers and you know we we have we have a branding guide in the studio and we have uh, a branding voice guide, I think it's called. <laughs> I should know yeah. what it's called. Yes. Um, it's a formal document. And, and it's, you know, the, I guess it's about 
um, the core of that document is, is about what we represent as a studio. So what our brand represents, which is always open and clear communication. Mm -hmm. And we provide a flexibility, you know, in the way that we communicate. So, um, and, and, you know, that's, that's not for everyone. It hasn't been for everyone that's come into the studio to work with us, mm -hmm. but it's, it's absolutely the way that, um, you know, I drive communication in our studio because, yeah, like I said before, everything is achievable. So particularly when you, you know, you, you come to a scenario on site or, you, you, you know, you're dealing with a challenging client, you know, it, it just the smallest tweak in, in your communication can result in a positive outcome mm -hmm. or, you know, a negative outcome, which, which nobody wants. So, no. yeah, so I think flexibility in, in, is key. But like you say, also listening, I think, you know, the art of conversation is, one person talking the other person sharing their perspective and it's understanding those perspectives as you're in that conversation rather than just one person firing at the other and the other person firing firing back that lovely art of conversation which I think we're losing with this age mm -hmm. of social media right <laughs> I 100% agree it is disappearing pretty quickly even if I watch my kids we were talking about our kids before we came live and my kids are all adults now and they've been brought up to converse with lots of family dinners, lots of extended family spending time together. They've been, we've had, we really have had to force them to learn how to have conversations and hold a conversation with one another. But I see their friends come and they kind of, they just all sit on their phones and these kids are adults. They're actually quite a bit older. Um, so I do fear about what changes for that. And it does present some specific difficult points with our teams as they start to roll through and we're dealing with another generation. So communication really is at the heart, I think, of creating great business outcomes. You sit in a really interesting dynamic, much like we did as builders, where you are dealing with trades, you're dealing with clients, you're dealing with suppliers. It's an interesting dynamic that you have in business and the way it all sort of pieces together. One of the things I think that, um, so the, the tradie wives that are listening to the call today, a lot of you would be working with interior designers or having the opportunity to work with interior designers. And many of us don't actually understand how we can all work to, together well and, and how that relationship, I guess, actually should develop or is best placed to develop. Donna, I'd love to hear your perspective on I guess the difference between an interior designer and some of the other interior services, whether it be decorating or styling, and because they're very different, as we both know, how does that look, I guess, to the trades potentially? What is the, the, the difference in the relationship for them? Mm. So, yes, there are definitely defined disciplines within this, this industry and sometimes the, the lines are blurred uh, and there is a reason for that, which, which, um, which will, I believe. But I guess uh, in terms of the, the different disciplines, uh, the, you know, interior designers, interior decorators, interior stylists, um, but also, you know, building designers, draftsmen, architectural designers, architects, interior architects, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of us. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, it, it, each is, is, as I said, a, a defined discipline and, and they all have a place in, in this industry. But I guess, yeah, there is some confusion about, you know, who, who is responsible for, for what. And I think, yeah, for, in terms of the trades and also in terms of clients who, um, you know, just the everyday person who, who may be looking to embark on a project, you know, who, who do they need on, on their team? Mm -hmm. So I guess the difference 
in relation to interior design. So an interior designer is uh, a qualified designer who uh, ha- is trained in, in CAD for a start. Mm-hmm. So we have technical drawing skills. Um, so we, you know, we, we design homes or commercial spaces, whichever um uh, area you decide to get into mm-hmm. uh, we have a spatial awareness we un- have an understanding of the principles of design so that we're able to really design homes from the ground up and produce the conceptual and working drawings that communicate that design so um that's exactly what we we do in the studio. So we are a team of interior designers. So for example, if I'm looking to expand the team, if I'm reaching out, um, I'm always looking for qualified interior designers who have a set of technical drawing skills. Mm-hmm. So that's the role of an interior designer. Uh, so we can take a project from you know um, commencement where you know you're thinking about renovating right through to uh the interior decoration side where we're you know throwing the last scatter cushion on the sofa so Mm -hmm. um it's quite a wide skill set so interior design incorporates interior design and interior decoration so interior decoration removes that technical side of interior design so uh, an interior decorator's role is critical to uh you know aesthetic uh, updates to a mm-hmm. home so paint you know uh, changing out paint colors uh you know window treatments soft furnishings um that decorative side um of of your project is is where you could engage an interior decorator so for example if you weren't necessarily renovating you were just looking to update a few rooms in your home an interior decorator or an interior stylist uh would would meet those needs so no sort of construction or renovation works in, involved and uh, and interior stars i think are also um they're really gaining some traction in mm. the property styling mm. arena yeah I, I mean i think you'd be mad not to style your home now if you were putting it on the market for sale and i think yeah the interior styling uh, discipline has really you know gained some some ground there um mm. so yeah it, that's that's sort of the clear differences between the, the disciplines I think that's the best explanation I've ever heard. It is, they, they really are. And the word discipline is 100% accurate. There are real disciplines between each of the roles. And the. I think for a long time, I know, I remember when my husband, my husband was a builder before we actually met and there was a lot of fear for him and the trades he was working with around working with interior designers. Mm-hmm. And I think that just came through Oh, a couple of things. I think at the time, you know, the perception as we all grew up in our youth of they weren't portrayed particularly well in, in films and television. I don't know that the understanding was there of their technical abilities or their um, conceptual understanding of an entire design and what that can do for the livability of a home and the sense of family and community within that home. So I think a lot of fear came from it. Well, you know, what would they know? I see the same fear around architects um, and and builders quite frequently. And yet when they work together, when we have a team that can work together, we drive the best outcome for the homeowner. It is incredible to see the differences in a space that have been created by an interior designer with um, the work, you know, that entire team, the work with the the architect, the work with the builder, we can get a far better result for the client, both in livability, costability, 
um, and design and the way that the, the whole project flows and feels. So I would really encourage any of those builders wives that are listening to throw out those connotations of what that might feel like and consider putting an interior designer onto your design team because it really does change the outcome uh, for your clients. I have seen time and time again, incredible outcomes in renovation spaces uh, because we did a lot of work with Queenslanders and they're sure they're beautiful homes but for the modern family that can be quite challenging to live in and so that input can make a, a just a mind-blowing difference to the finished product which is attributed equally to you as the builder who is delivering that result um, on the practical grounds. Donna business it's tough it's not the easiest thing in the world to take on as a challenge um i'd love to hear some of the stories you said that you really considered that it took you some time to take go into business and yet i know through working with hundreds of business owners even when we are cautious and risk adverse stuff happens we fall into holes or we you know we manage through that ebb and flow i guess of good times and bad the last two years have been particularly challenging and we're seeing a lot of ongoing challenges now with material delays uh, not being able to get staff on the ground for the trades that you would be working with. I wonder if that's also a problem for you. Mm. Um, the rain delays and the flooding around our local areas have really created some issues that will be ongoing as well. It's tough, right? It hasn't been easy at all. And you're, so that's two years of your six year, what, six or seven years you've been in business? Yes, this is my seventh year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So two of those, that's, a, that's almost three now. That's a long time mm. to be facing some of the things that we have faced. Mm. Can you tell us a bit about, I guess, initially making that decision, what went into making that decision, structuring that framework that you referenced earlier? What did it look like early on and how has that evolved and changed over time? Um, what did it look like early? It was a hot mess, Nicole. I'm not going to lie. It, honestly, it was. I, I fell to pieces. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, 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 it would have been interesting to, to watch, you know, from an outsider's perspective, because if you think about it, I came from this, you know, rigid mm. corporate space mm. where we tracked every minute of our time. You know, you, you had to, to be delivering billable hours. Uh, we had, you know, very clear set of boundaries. You know, scope of works was crystal clear. We allowed no scope creep. You know, it, I mean, I was working for established firms, you know, large, large size firms. So I came from that to, to launch my own business and I, I literally fell to pieces So mm. um, because there's there's just this this pressure. And I mean, it, you know, you, you put the pressure on yourself, you create that pressure yourself, you right? Do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I struggled initially, I you know, because I sort of had, I had projects right from the get-go and I had clients and I had to deliver, but I was on my own and I felt incredibly alone yes. because it was like you know what on earth have I done how how do I pull this together mm. um probably one of the best decisions I made early on in my studio is I hired a business coach yep which I would highly recommend to anyone at any stage in their business so I'm working with with a, a business coach a mentor business mentor now mm. and I will continue to to do that um because that is such such a, a, a critical support because we mm -hmm. just we just don't have we don't have all the answers you yep. know so I think you know it's 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 probably you know partially just being thrown in the deep end facing those challenges along the way being optimistic um you know having the right mindset as we said before when you face those challenges 
and looking at it from a positive perspective. Okay, so we faced this challenge. That didn't work for us. We need mm. to switch things up to make sure, you know, we never have to have that conversation again or, um, you know, we're not going to have to rectify that enormous error on site again. Yes, yes. Um, so, so, yeah, and I think, you know, it's, it's really those challenges, right, that, that make you grow and become a better designer, a better mm. business owner, and, and I think that it does, it comes back, comes back to mindset and, and you're right, sometimes it does get the better of us and, you know, not, nev- not everybody weathers the storm and I get that too. It can be mm. incredibly challenging. Like mm. the last two years for us, Nicole, were, yeah, it's so, so challenging. I, mm. I mean, I could tell you all sorts of things that went down for us, particularly the, the back end of last year was probably the most challenging three months mm-hmm. that I've ever experienced in in the studio so we had an influx of work during uh, the pandemic which which happened right across our industry and you know essentially we're we're a small team we're highly equipped but but we're a small team and we we just had a huge influx of inquiries and you know we took on too much work and Mm -hmm. we weren't able to deliver um so the wheels were falling off for us. And then, of course, couple that with, you know, extensive material delays and, and you know, furniture and, and accessory item delays in the retail sector, rising prices. Uh, you know, we work on a flat fee as well as a rate. So, um, you know, that became an issue for us where we were sort of, you know, we had fixed price contracts with, with our client. You know, it was incredibly challenging. Mm. There were tears across the team. There were late nights. There was wine. There was, you know, late nights in the studio, early mornings. But, you know, we we got through it as a team. Um, We had a huge Christmas party at the end of the year. uh, And we kicked off the year um, with a whole new set of terms and conditions, um, Mm. you know, for our our, uh, interior design service agreement for our contract. So we literally went from three pages to 12 pages. Like I just had to rewrite that. And luckily for me, for me, my best friend is a lawyer. So she helps me to, to I know, right, to win. So she helped me to craft that. But, you know, that was just one of the ways I thought, right, okay, we can't let this, this hold us back you know things are not changing you know the world is what it is to be honest I don't know if we'll ever go back to the way that we were pre this this pandemic Mm. so we we have to pivot and and Mm. we have to adjust and you know even rewriting those those conditions for me you know just allowed me to just you know take a load off as we kicked the year off because I I knew despite the challenges that we faced last year and you know in real terms, that was physically, mentally, and financially draining for mm-hmm, us as, mm-hmm. as a studio. So um, we had to rectify that, you know, as, as we, we kicked off the new year across all of those three areas. Uh, but yeah, you know, just making those changes allowed me to just go, okay, last year it was what it was, but we're just going to move forward now with a new perspective. Uh, and, you know, with the, with the system changes and the process changes that we need to adapt to what's happening. Uh, and, you know, we're just going to do the best that we can again mm. this year, like we do every year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that it's that resilience in business that creates the results, though. It's understanding, you know, it was the perfect storm, I think, last year, particularly as you referenced in the last, the back end of the year, the perfect storm for construction 
We've spoken at length on the podcast about how um, the foundation of the rebuild after COVID was very much placed on the trades back mm. and you're very much a very big part of that. Increased demand, high pressure, increased costs astronomically. Um, businesses can't sustain that and we hadn't pre-prepared because none of us knew what was about to happen. Mm. There was no way to have a crystal ball into what unfolded at the back end of last year and for a large part a lot of people are still facing those challenges now. Um, particularly where the, where we're having to wear fixed price contracts. Uh, it's a terrifying time for so many business owners. So having the resilience, I guess, to make change and move through that change is what will produce those longer lasting results. And through all of that, Donna, you've mentioned quite frequently mindset and how important that is for you as a business owner. How do you maintain your mindset? It's, it's <laughs> particularly through something like what you've just explained. I feel really stressed listening to that. And knowing what that must have meant for your business, your personal life, your physical and mental health, how do you maintain uh, a healthy mindset through something like that? Yeah, it, it, it's, you know, it, it's not easy. It's it's not easy, right? You, I have to check myself mm. constantly, you know, to bring myself back to that, I guess, that, that state of calm. And as I said to you earlier, back to that driving force mm -hmm. and and that that passion I have for interior design for our studio for my team and and I guess just having gratitude mm -hmm. you know gratitude as, as you know last year the year before was incredibly challenging but it was incredibly challenging because we had so many people reaching out to us wanting to engage us for our services you know so yes it was challenging but how incredibly rewarding and flattering that we had so many people reaching out to us so I guess it's you know it's remembering those things you know that people people you know want to work with us and and you know people are, are trusting in, in us um it's yeah it, it's not easy and no. and you know let's be honest I, I have challenging days you know yeah, where it does all get uh you know, a, a little bit too much. And there have been times where I've thought, my Lord, you know, should I just work in a bookstore? Like, <laughs> I can, like clock on at eight, nine o'clock and clock off at four and, um, you know, not not necessarily have the stress. But, you know, obviously that that is, is never going to happen. I'm totally unemployable. Now I can work for anyone ever, ever again. <laughs> I hear you 100%. Although I like the sound of a bookstore that maybe has a wine bar attached. That's probably my dream come true. Maybe I'll work towards yeah. only one of those one day. Now you're talking. Maybe we should open one. Nicole. <laughs> I love that idea. You can do all of the, the interior design and I'll just swan on in and recommend books and read wine all day, uh, drink wine all day. That does not sound terrible. We can do it on the Gold Coast too, just perfect for me. Um, that's actually quite a brave business choice too, Donna, your location on the Gold Coast. I, I often think um, business choice or location starts out with where we live, we know the area very well. Um, I don't actually know if that's how that worked for you. And yet the Gold Coast is extraordinarily competitive. I've got actually quite a few good friends that are interior designers in your area. Um, very highly competitive. Sure, there's a lot of work there as well. Has that been a challenge at any time, trying to distinguish yourself and that finding that point of difference between your business and other businesses so that the right clients find you at the right time? Uh, no. No, I, I haven't found it challenging. And and I guess the reason is because, you know, I, I, I believe in us. I know what we do. I know what we bring as a studio. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just, 
you know, I, I stay in my lane. So yes, there are some incredible designers on the Gold Coast and in Brisbane across the country. Mm-hmm. You know, I follow a lot of other incredible designers that, um, you know, I'm inspired by and and I support them and I encourage them because at the end of the day, there is enough work for everybody and everybody brings their own set of skills and flair and um, creativity, you know, specifically in, in what we do. So, uh, no, it, it's, it's, no, I don't, I don't find it challenging at, at all. We, we uh, you know, we, we're established now. We have an mm-hmm. established aesthetic. We have an established uh, process. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people come to us now for, for that aesthetic. So, uh, you know, I guess, you know, um, working with new clients and, um, you know, I guess, you know, bringing new clients into the studio is a much easier process now for us than it was, of course, when I started, when you just Mm -hmm. say yes to everybody and you're also trying to find your own um, niche and your own style and your own, you know, definitive way of doing things. But, you know, we're we're established now. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, like people often say to me, you know, it's highly competitive on the Gold Coast, but I just don't see it that way. I don't Mm -hmm. see it as highly competitive. I just see, you know, a, a, pool of incredible designers and resources available to people that are looking to engage an interior designer which anybody who's embarking on a renovation should (laughs) alongside their their building team so you know it's it's a it's a win it's a Mm. win for the renovator and it's a win for our industry as well lots of other designers you know we all inspire each other and support Mm. each other in in running our businesses we all know um, you know the, the challenges that we that we face we can all relate to those you know from one designer to another so it's great to bounce some ideas off other, other designers from time mm-hmm. to time too I know I have a lot of um, friends that are designers and we just you know genuinely bounce bounce ideas off each other and scenarios off each other constantly so uh, yeah the interior design space or the design space I think as a whole is a far more supportive community than the traditional trade space I think um, the design space really has that understanding of abundance and the traditional trade space is still largely in fear of uh, not enoughness they don't understand yet that there is an abundance of work there's more than enough for everybody to go around it might take some mindset sh- set shifts it might take some understanding of what you do best and leaning into that niche and yet there's plenty of work for everybody everywhere particularly at the moment but even still we still have clients come to us that are finding it challenging to find work which might sound crazy to many of our listeners and yet those businesses typically haven't done the work around establishing their point of difference or their niche in the area that they service which is that real key I think to the operational differences. Donna a question that I like to ask lots of our business ladies is your favorite tool for business what could you simply not live without? My tape measure. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best tool ever. Do you know, like I'm so old school in that sense. Yes, you're with me. It's always on my desk. I was just at a site measure last week and um, the husband was there Mm -hmm. and I whipped out my tape measure and he said, oh, Donna, I've bought this, you know, fabulous laser pointer. (laughs) And... (laughs) 
<laughs> you know what? You can laugh at me. You can judge me. But, um, you know, I whip my tape measure around in my stilettos like nobody's business. I love it. Um, and I, I have my pencil. I work with a pencil, um, not a pen, and my pad. So I, I measure everything with a tape measure. I sketch yep. everything by hand initially. Um, I guess that's how, how we were taught mm. as well. Mm. And, um, yeah, so definitely could, couldn't go anywhere without my tape measure. I literally have, I don't know, we've got about 10 in the studio. I've got them in my car. I've got them in my home. I've got them in my handbag. <laughs> uh, me too. I have as many tape measures as I have wheelbarrows, which lots of regular listeners will understand is very funny indeed. There are tape measures literally in, I have one on my office, on my desk, there's one in the laundry, which isn't far from my office. There's three or four upstairs. I have the fancy laser measurers as well, but I don't like them. I find them hard to use. I invariably make a mistake when I'm using them, so I just don't. You can't go past the good old traditional tool. No, and like I'm, you, I'm with you use you. very frequently. Yes, I'm, I'm with you. And, and I'm sure there's a million apps for it as well, right, yeah. Nicole? But I just, I can't. I don't know. I feel like maybe the time is coming where we're going to have to entertain yes. that and shift maybe just in terms of, you know, efficiency, time efficiency, really. But yeah. for now, I'm resisting. Yeah, resist away. I love it. It's some of those old, old-fashioned old tools, I stay, say with air quotes, are the best. They're, they're most reliable. Absolutely. I yeah. still haven't broken a measuring tape yet, yet I've been through a couple of the digital measurers. Donna, it's been absolutely fantastic chatting with you today. Where can our listeners find out more about who you are and what you do? Yeah, yeah. They can come to us, uh, to our website, www.donnagaila.com. We have an Instagram page, which we're very active on at Donnagaila Design. We've actually just recently um, released our second webisode series via our Instagram account. Wow. Yes, which is very cool. So um, we've completed a renovation project at uh, Main Beach on the Gold Coast just at the end of last year. So um, we basically take you, walk you through our whole design process and our whole thought process behind the, the design during the course mm. of the renovation works. And we wrap that up into three episodes. Uh, so you can you can watch those on the website as well. I love that idea. Listeners, have a think about how you could implement that in your business. It's brilliant. Donna, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Like I said, I could chat to you for hours around design. <laughs> I am absolutely excited and full of energy seeing your background. I'm actually going to go and make some changes to mine over the Easter weekend now because you don't think about the video space that you're on day in, day out. I do this all day. <laughs> Haven't thought enough about it. Uh, clients who are listening, you'll, you'll see that change, no doubt, very soon. Thank you, Donna. <laughs> Thanks, Nicole. Thanks for listening to another episode of Ladies in Business. Got a guest you'd like us to interview? Maybe you have a story to share or some feedback to give. Find us on socials or drop us a message via the Tradies in Business website. Take care of yourself, ladies.